Well, hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you. How is everybody? I'm so glad. I really am so genuinely glad you're with us, and thank you. And you know what? It's been like the craziest two weeks. Like everyone in the world has had COVID or is trying to figure out if they can come out of isolation or whatever. It's just been really crazy, and it just feels good to be able to come together, whether you're online or one of our campuses for some fellowship. Can we just like say hello to some humans, and will you join me in welcoming everyone? Hello, everyone who's at our Mountain Road campus, our Abingdon campus, our Aberdeen campus, our Edgewood campus, and online. Thank you. It feels good to finally be together. We have some really important stuff to do uh, today. Um, I hope that you will hear from Jesus that he will speak to your heart in a very specific way and move you to action in a very specific way. I'll tell you what that is. You'll see it in a moment. But first, I've got to tell you a story. One day, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee. So you can picture it, right? All these people gathered around, and he's standing there, and these great crowds keep pressing in on him because they're hungry for the word of God, and they're getting it. So they, they come together, and he, he, he's like, this isn't working. Too, they can't. He, he notices there's two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. They're done for the day. They are washing their nets, kind of listening in, eavesdropping as Jesus is teaching on the shore, right? Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, that's also, who is this? Who's Simon, friends? Is, do we know who this is? Simon is uh, the, Nick, the other name for Peter. He's going to be called Peter for the, for the rest of the time here. But he asked Simon, hey, uh, you're the owner of this boat. Uh, hey, can I use your boat? And can you just push it out in the water a little way? It's not too deep here, but we're going to sit in the boat. And, and he just teaches the crowds from there. I imagine they drop an anchor, and he's got now a portable platform. And the crowds are listening. All right. Next. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, let's go fishing. What a great idea. The talk is over. Let's go fishing. You're a fisherman. That sounds like fun. Let's go. Now go out where, no, go back. I'm sorry, go back. One more slide, go back. Sorry, I faked out my slide guy. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now remember, they've just been washing their nets. They're done for the day. That's why you're going to get the response you get from Peter next. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Here's my interpretation of, of how Peter answered him. Oh, my goodness. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, with all due respect, Master, we have been working so hard at this for so long. We all night have been fishing, dropping those stinking nets into the water over and over and over again. And you know how many fish we've caught? Exactly zero. That's what that means. Now, he didn't say it exactly that way, but that's what's going on. And I, I just wonder if we pause right there in the story, if any of that kind of feels familiar to anybody, what Peter is feeling right in that moment. Here's a guy, listen, Here's a guy who's tired, right? I mean, he's up all night long. And now it's daytime, and someone says, let's do it again. And he's like, I'm just sick and tired of this. No. He's depleted. He's weary. He's discouraged because he wants to eat. He wants to feed his family. He, this, is a bad, this is a bad business day, and he's discouraged. 
and you can hear it in his voice when you're hoping for a, a change or some kind of breakthrough and it doesn't come, you, that, that's what's going on here. And he feels defeated. He's frustrated. It's like, I, I should know how to do this. I should be able to bring about some kind of what I'm looking for here, but he can't. Does any of this sound familiar? If we're honest, I think all of us have had moments just like Peter is having right here. I think a lot of us, if we're just honest about what's going on over the last collective you know, period of time, especially with this crazy uptick, it's like, Good grief, here we are still talking about COVID. It's 2022 for crying out loud. Who thought we'd be here? We know what it's like to be a little discouraged, a little depleted, a little defeated, to feel some of that. And there's a hemorrhaging of hope. And that's what we're talking about in this series is that there's so many people that seem to be losing so much hope. He's in a boat that's floating, but his hope is sunk at that moment, isn't it? And, and we have these hope sinkers all around us as well. It's, it's everywhere. Schools and schedules and travels all messed up. Everybody's kind of just still at each other. We're coming up on Martin Luther King Jr. celebration weekend, and it's a, just a, an important reminder of how much work we still have to do and how, how we've been fishing those waters of racial justice and, and equality for, for, for years and years and years, and it seems like we've got so far to go, that can be discouraging. The political divides are there, and we've got mental health challenges, and we've got people with, with marriages depleted and financial stuff, and so many people in our society are busy and working hard, but their nets are empty. Their heart is empty. Their life is empty, and that's where a lot of us are. Do you have any part of your life where you can relate a little bit to Peter? Just sick and tired of it. Don't, don't tell me, just do it again. That's where Peter was. But Peter also had something that you and I also have. He had uh, Jesus in the boat with him. Let's go back to verse 5. What he says next is so interesting. Uh, hey, push out into the deep. Let's go fishing. Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Next verse. But because you say so, if that's what you're asking me to do, I'll do it. I will let down the nets again. It's not what I want to do, really. It's not what I think is going to make any difference. It's not, it's not the thing I feel like doing at all right now. But because you say so, friends, this is the key to the Christian life when sometimes things don't make sense to you. But you do it anyway because Jesus says so. There's so much liberation and freedom on the other side of that truth. When we say I've tried it, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, no, 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 but because you say so, I'll try it. And he lets the nets down again. And do you notice here, I, I don't know, maybe it's not significant. It seems significant to me that Jesus says, let's go out into the deep water. Let's get out of the shallow stuff. Friends, sometimes we want God to do something. We want a big change and something beautiful in our life. But if you're going to do that, sometimes you've got to be willing to go out into the deep water. Like out where God can really do something. Get out of the shallows. Where are you? Are you in the shallow water of faith? Just kind of clinging by the shore where you can keep your foot on the bottom. Out into the deep. 
Look what happens. Look what happens. Verse 6. And this time, they, they go out there, they get the nets back out of storage, they go back out there. This time, the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in the other boat, and they're all yelling and screaming, can you see it? And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Pretty happy group of guys. Verse 8 through 10. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. Go away. I am such a sinful man. Sometimes we know what that feels like, right? To feel like I just don't belong in the presence of God. He's too holy. I, God wouldn't want me. God wouldn't want to use me. He, why? He was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were amazed. Everyone's amazed. Friends, here's what I was hoping you would hear from Jesus right here. What I'm about to say next is what I was hoping would lodge into your heart and then lead you to action it's the next verses, 10 and 11. When Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, Simon. In other words, I know who you are. I know your failure. I know your frustration. I know exactly what's going on in your life. I know that you are a sinful person. What I'm looking for is someone who will trust me enough to do what I will say so that I can work through your life. And here's the punchline where Jesus is driving for us. He's saying, Peter, in the same way that you trusted me just now, and we brought in a whole boatload of fish, I need you to trust me in the same way so we can bring in a whole bunch of people who desperately need hope. That's what he's saying. From now on, you're... I need you to fish for people. I need you to be as excited as you are right now about a boat full of fish and something that you think is a miracle. I need you to be that excited about people because that's where the heart of God really is. Jesus is teaching that very truth right here. We need to, he, he, his burning desire is not to show off by filling a, drawing a bunch of fish into a boat, but to help us see how God's heart is to draw a bunch of people toward the Christ of hope. And he wants to use you to do it. And when we say, Lord, I'm not cut out for it. I'm a failure. I'm a sinful person. I, I've tried this. It doesn't work. The fish aren't biting. I don't know how to do that. That's over my head. I don't, let's just stay in the shallows and not do it. Jesus has heard all of that and knows all of our discouragement in life and says this isn't about you. It's about me and what I can do. And it's about the people Jesus loves and misses. And you have friends that are close to you but far from God. You have people that you care about, and some of them you care about a lot, and God cares about them so much more. And they need hope. And that's the burning desire of Jesus, is in the same way that he called Peter that day, he's calling you and me right now on this day not to draw a bunch of fish into a boat, or whatever else it is that we give our lives to that amounts to a heaping pile of fish that won't last. He's talking about how could God use you and me to bring hope to someone. Here's, here's what I want you to hear that will anchor in your heart. God wants to use you to bring hope to someone. And he says, go and make disciples. 
This is what he means. When he says, God so loved the world, this is what he means. When he says, you're the light of the world, this is what he means. When he says, you're the salt of the earth, this is what he means. When he says, I want you to fish for people, this is what he means. When he says, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost, now I am sending you, this is what he means. God wants to use you to bring hope to someone, to let your life be used by God. And all of our yeah buts and fears and discouragement and reasons why it won't work, he just says, just push out in the deep and leave the rest to me. So our verse that we've been using for this series, it's so beautiful and powerful. Just let it wash over you wherever this message finds you. It's in Romans 15. Listen to these beautiful words. May the God of hope fill you. Just picture that. You being filled with all joy and peace as you trust in this God of hope. And when you get filled with peace and, and, and joy because you're trusting in God, the point is that you may then what? Overflow. You can say it at home. Overflow with hope. Friends, the whole point of hope is not just to have it, but to share it. To overflow with hope. And so we began this whole thing by talking a couple weeks ago about how important it is that we ourselves be filled with hope yourself. Right? You can't share what you don't have. And so we, we talked about how important it is to, to lean on the only source of ultimate hope, the only thing that will never let you down is the Lord. Our faith is only as strong as the object you place it in. And so we place our faith in Christ. And as you trust in him, the God of hope will fill us up. And then, after we are filled with hope ourselves, we're able then to bring hope to others. So we're focusing on this idea of bringing hope to others. And the whole theme of what we're calling this is hope rising. Here's the crazy thing, you guys. There's a hundred reasons I can give you why we should be just depressed and look at all the metrics and all the scary things about what's going on and be really discouraged about what's happening in our church right now. And instead, what do we sense? We sense hope rising all around us. Beautiful movement of God that's visible and tangible. You can see it. You can feel it. You can count it in the baptisms, in the welcome to mountain, in the 900 first-time guests in the middle of a pandemic who are looking for hope. Friends, we, we've got stuff to do. And, and, and so we're trying to get on board with what God's already doing and not sleep through this moment. So we're, I'm doing my best just to say, hey, y'all, you need to get me to check on your hope because somebody needs you to bring it to them right now. So that's what we're doing. And, and, and hope bringers, what they do is they pray for people who need hope. We talked about this last week. Kirk, if you didn't catch the message, you got you to hear what Kirk had to say. And because and we need to pray for people. And this is where on the seat at every one of, of our campuses, and if at home, I just need you to grab something around the house that you can write on. I'm going to ask you to everyone, please pick up this card again. Last week, some of you were here and you wrote some names on this card. If, I'm going to ask you to do it again. This is that important. Um, and if you weren't here, I'm going to invite you into this. You may want to just kind of let's tear it in half, get two different pieces, because I want you to take one with you to keep, and then the other you're going to turn in. And, and we're just going to use this as a way to remind ourselves, who am I praying for? What are at least three names of people who are close to you but need some hope? They need the hope of Christ. If you were here last week, you can write the same names to remind you. Or you might want to write some new names. Write one name, two names, at least three. 
if you're new, kind of coming in on this, all you're doing is you're just saying, God, who, who is it that comes to my mind when he says someone who's kind of close to me or known to me but is maybe not close to God or known to God, someone who needs that kind of hope? And we're going to use this card as just a simple way to remind us to pray specifically for people who need the hope of Christ. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. Let me give you a little five-finger exercise as we're thinking. Just take your time and, and just write as, as ideas and names come to you. If you're like me, after a couple of minutes, another name will come, and then another name. Let me give you some things to think about as you're thinking about people that God might be placing on your heart. And remember, this doesn't have anything to do with how good you are or how perfect you are. I mean, Peter was like, the only thing I know is whenever I'm around Jesus, I feel dirty and sinful. I think I should just not be near him. And, and Jesus says, I know who you are, Peter. I want to use you to bring hope and fish for people. And that's the message that God's planning in your heart tonight and, and today. Here's a five-finger exercise to think about some names you might, might come to mind. Number one, the thumb. That's the reminder of those who are closest to you. So scour through the list of your immediate family, your closest friends, your inner circle of people. Some of those people really need hope. That's the thumb. Your kids, your family, immediate relatives. Then the next finger is that index finger. It's, it's the next tier out of friends, people that you have touch with, you have contact with. Not your immediate family, but you see them a lot through sports and work and in your neighborhood. They're the people, when you extend your arm not very far, you're going to have touch with them. Who are some of those people that need some hope, maybe from school, social circles? And then the middle finger. <laughs> Let's just go there. These are people that you don't even like. Someone that maybe you realize you don't really care for, but God has placed them in your life. And there they are in your world. And when you think of the middle finger, you think of them. And you also think of them when you hear Jesus say, love your enemies. Maybe you just start to pray for them. And then that, that, that ring finger is kind of a weak one, you know? It, it's just such a, it doesn't do much on its own. And it's a reminder to pray for people that come to mind who are weak, right now. They're going through a period in their life where they need some help. They may be sick or they're, going, they're aging or they've got some medical thing or, or maybe just a tough time in life. They've lost a job. They've lost their way. They're kind of just weak right now and need some help. And, you know, I find in my own life, and I think it's true for almost all of us, isn't it? It's when we feel a little weak that we're finally more open to the hope that God might bring than we ever are any other time. So someone that's going through a tough time needs some encouragement, that, that weak person who comes to mind. You don't have to do anything other than just start with prayer. And then, and then the pinky. The, the little short finger there is, is a reminder of some people that you know who have fallen short in life. They've made some mistakes. They've made some moral failures. They've messed up their marriage or they, they hurt some people. They've really bungled something and as a result, their, their life is a little bit of a mess right now. Maybe they ran with the wrong crowd or hurt somebody. I, I don't know. But who's that person that comes to mind when you think of someone who's fallen short? Can you remember those five? 
Okay, everybody at home and at the campuses, let's kind of re-engage here. What's the thumb? Those who are closest to me. Then the next tier out, the people that I have pretty regular touch and contact with. And then you know who these people are. And then this is those who are just kind of weak and need some extra help and encouragement right now. And this is just the people who've fallen short. We all have some names like that, don't we? Write them down. Now here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to to remember this. As you're a hope bringer, as you get filled with hope, and then it overflows, here's the point where we're going for the rest of our time. Hope bringers do something. After they invest in some relationships, after they listen with care, and all of those things, we're going to talk about some of that next week, but I don't want you to miss this. They invite boldly. That's what they do. When you are a hope bringer, if you believe the hope that is within you, you are bold about the way you invite others. Invitations are hugely powerful. Think about some of the invitations you've had in your life to whatever it might be that have completely changed the trajectory of your life. Can you think of some? I can think of so many. Well, one, I mean, so many, uh, like one was a bad, I mean, I took an invitation to join a band when I was in high school. One of the worst decisions I made over a long period of time. It got me in trouble with my dad. I got hanging out with these not so great guys and it took some undoing to get out of that. Invitations are what? They're powerful and they can change the trajectory of your life. I can think of many other much more happy invitations that have changed my life in a really, really good way. I can think of, I can think of the time I met this girl at a conference. Tom Moen and I were at the same conference. We met these two girls. We invited them to lunch. We took them to pizza. We went to the line, bought the pizza, came back, and the girls were gone. That same girl, by the way, I met a few months later at a, at a camp on Labor Day weekend, and we eyed each other, didn't say much the whole time, but I remember standing at the trunk of my 1978 Olds Cutlass Supreme, trying to figure out how before I drove away to say something to this girl, and I, 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 I just could not even speak. I, 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 when, when she kind of finally came by, I just said, we will, it's like, oh my goodness, and I bungled that invitation, but then I said, could I call you sometime? She said, I suppose. And then shortly after that, that same brunette showed up and invited me by phone to go to a, a University of Minnesota football game. I lived in Minneapolis. But I had to study for, for grad school, so I said no. But I knew where she went to church. She was visiting a family, and she was at another church on Sunday I knew which church she was at. I looked it up in the Yellow Pages, kids. <laughs> what time their services were. I knew the pastor. I, I timed it. When would the service be over? And I called the church office. The preacher's wife answered. I said, Marge, there's a girl probably wandering around in, in the foyer of your church. Is service over? Yeah, just got out. Oh, great. Look for a brown-haired girl. I knew Marge. It's okay. This isn't as creepy as it sounds. <laughs> There's a brown-haired girl. Her name is Carla. Tell her she has a phone call. She says, as a matter of fact, I see her. She's right there. So she goes out and says to Carla, there's a phone call for you. And Carla says, no, there's not. Nobody in the world knows I'm here. I'm all three hours from home. And she's, yeah, there's a some. Carla picked up the phone. I said, uh, this is Ben. Would you go to lunch with me? She said, yes. I'm not married today. We don't have our kids. None of that happens without that invitation. 
Okay, you can clap for me. <laughs> Finally got it out. Do you see the power of an invitation? I was 32 years old. Some, a church in Maryland called and said, we want to invite you to come and do life with us up in this strange area where they eat crabs and talk funny and go down the ocean. And we came. Why? Because of an invitation. And that's how powerful they are. And there are people in your life whose life trajectory is one invitation away or maybe 12 invitations away. I mean, it took me three times just to get the girl. It might take more than that to get someone the hope of Christ. But when we pray and we invite, it changes trajectories of lives. There are people who need the forgiveness, the hope, the joy, the filling of Christ who need an invitation from someone. And I think the message from Jesus for all of us is that someone may be you. You know, surveys indicate that four out of five people who do not have anything to do with the church would say yes to an invitation to go to church or to be part of some Christian activity if they were invited by someone they trusted. And that's part of the problem. We can't just stay in our little Christian circles. We've got to make relationships with people that or normal people, and be normal people ourselves. You look at Jesus, there was 132 different contacts that Jesus had with people when you read the Gospels. 132. Six of them were in the temple, like at church. Another four were in the synagogue at church. But 122 times the Gospels are trying to show us, here's a Jesus who's out on the streets. He's at the docks. He's in the boat. He's walking along. He's at a party, he's at a banquet, he's at a wedding, he's hanging out, he, he's, just, he's just being with people on a boat ride or a fishing trip. And one of the reasons a lot of people don't take Christianity very seriously, they've never met someone who claims to follow Christ who comes out of the synagogue or the temple to hang out with them and, and learn to trust them. People don't need a gospel presentation from you. They just need a friend. They don't need a, a, a careful sort of reasoning through the whole Bible from beginning to end. What they need from us is, is just genuine care. A listening ear, a friend, someone who's sincere. So invite boldly when you've invested enough that someone might trust you. You know, I, I wonder how many people would find the hope of Jesus if we would invite boldly. So that's what I was hoping would sink into your heart and into your head. So this bungee cord is here because, remember, you know what bungee cords are for, Right? like you strap things onto the car. I, whenever I see a bungee cord, I always think of that, that scene in the vacation movie where Chevy Chase straps on Edna to, this, to the ceiling of the car, to the roof of the car as they're going. But that's what a bungee cord is for. But here's what I want you to notice. A bungee cord, when you look at it, is not very useful until it's what? Stretched. Right. To reach our full potential in life, we're exactly the same way. We've got to be Stretch. It's not normal for a bungee cord to be stretched. It, it wants to snap back. That's its preferred state right there, and that's our state. But listen, it's most comfortable when it's not stretched. It's most useful when it is. And you're the same way, and I'm the same way. To the Lord of the harvest who's saying, stretch with me. Let's go out into the deep. Invite boldly. Invite boldly. Invest and invite you know, in the scriptures, 
As you're still thinking about these cards, maybe some names are coming to mind as we're talking. Keep writing. You can write more than one. You can write ten. You can fill up the whole card. Keep writing at home and at our campuses. In the scriptures, the way this works is amazing. It works in family systems and relationships, like webs of relationships, like people that come to find the hope of God often do so with their whole family and influence others around them. I want you to, to, to say hello to our friend, a lot of us know and love, Jenny Kay, Jenny Crichton. Come on, Jenny, I want to just talk with Jenny for a minute. Will you welcome Jenny at all of our campuses and here at Mountain Road as well? Hey, Jenny. A lot of you know Jenny hey, Kay. Man. Everybody knows Jenny because she's been around Mountain for a long time now. But, uh, you know, we tend to think of you, Jenny, as Pastor Jenny. She's been in lots of different roles at Mountain. She's worked with kids and so many different things at different campuses over the years. And it's easy to just kind of think, you know, it's always been that way. But I know Jenny's story, and I want you to hear a little bit of it right now. Jenny, you haven't always been a follower of Jesus, right? No, uh, I haven't. And, you know, I'm not super proud of where I maybe started in my story, um, my 20s, you know, just kind of living life, just partying it up, out drinking, doing the thing. I got some scars, actually actual scars to remember, some moments I'm not so proud of. Uh, so no, didn't always walk with Jesus. And so something happened. Um, what happened? Yeah. Well, you know, you get to a point, there's seasons of life that, that come, and I remember it was a time in my life where a lot of people, a lot of friends were starting families. We wanted to do the same. It just wasn't happening. Uh, I'm continuing to run around at night doing my thing and um, got to a really dark place. And you kind of realize things just really aren't going and they're not the way they're supposed to be. And I had a really good friend. Uh, who I met was a next-door neighbor, grew up right down the road, a, a young married couple uh, that uh, was in constant friendship. A lot of people live over there. Anyway, grew, started there in our marriage. Uh, met this friend, and she just was somebody that was kind. Hmm. You know, you just people that you just like right away, you know, those kind of folks that you just hit it off, hang out on the back deck, and just have conversations. What was her name? Her name was Kim. And she's a part of Mountain. Uh, she's now part of the Aberdeen campus. But Kim was just a great listener. I mean, she knew I was far away from Jesus. But Kim just was looking for some next steps. She had a little one. And she said, would you come to church with me? Um, wow. And I was like, I don't know about all the church thing. Um, but I trusted her. You know, she was somebody that I knew she cared about me. I knew she was a friend. And I trusted her. And I, so I said, all right. I'll, I'll show up and, and I'll go. You, came, you trusted her enough to go to church. <laughs> what happened? What was it like? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, I was very hesitant, sat in the very back row. I, wasn't, I didn't want to be <laughs> Where seen. Where else are you going to be, right? Yeah, didn't want to be known, didn't want to be seen, and uh, just felt like I'm not going to belong here. But I was surprised. Um, there were folks to welcome uh, it was a place where I could actually start to feel safe and let my guard down. And Kim was right there by my side. And I got to be honest with you, there were many a Sunday where I had been out the night before, uh, hungover. I'd uh, tell her, yeah, I'll go with you to church Sunday. And I'd wake up hungover, hair still smell like smoke, throw clothes on and run out the door. And she would wait for me 
with her little one sitting in the car seat, and she would patiently wait for me as I would fumble my way out the door. Mm. Over time, you and God eventually become friends and start having your own relationship, I guess. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, as you sit and you kind of open yourself up just a little bit and take a chance on Jesus, Jesus is faithful. And so I began to just feel a real invitation, not only the one I accepted from my friend, but a real invitation that Jesus wanted me in all of my mess. Wow. Yeah. And today, here you are, 20-some years later, I've watched you become this beautiful person who helps me know Jesus because of your relationship with him. And what's crazy is the ripple effect. So this invitation from Kim eventually leads to your hope in Christ. You have an eternity that's sealed, but it's not just affected you. Where has the ripple effect gone? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, I am vastly different, to, a totally different being. But um, my mom, in her late 60s, began to ask questions and was curious about this church and this Jesus that I had come to know and love. And so she showed up at a welcome to mountain gathering and was baptized, which is amazing. Um, my husband, I was seven year journey of coming and our girls, we have two girls, they were growing up in the church and involved in activities. Jeff would come and eventually that led to his baptism at an seven outdoor years. splash. You're praying seven for him and inviting him for the whole time, long right? years of waiting. All right, seven years. My girls, ages eight and nine, these tender young Little girls right there in that baptistry said yes to Jesus. Today, they are serving in ministry. One is a worship pastor out in Omaha. The other works at this church, and uh, it is amazing. Nina is serving and sharing the gospel. Uh, she was just invited this week to preach at her church. First woman to preach at her church. She's so excited. She baptized her boyfriend. They've been dating a couple of years. So we see this amazing legacy. Um, my sister-in-law uh, was uh, baptized at the Abingdon campus just two years ago before she headed off to college. Like, God has done immeasurably more. I can ask or imagine. It's amazing. It's so great. It, it started with an invitation from a friend who was not a superhero. Someone who, who just said, would you come and go with me? What's your message for someone who's like in the hot right now? They're like, oh boy, oh boy. For either, either, either because they're like, I'm that person with smoky hair. If anyone had any idea how far I am from God, they, they would throw me out of here. Uh, or, or someone who's listening in online who's like, I, I'm, I'm really not sure about this. I know something's missing. I don't know what it is. Or what's your message to someone who's like a believer, who's like just content, but they're in the shallows and they're afraid. When I say invite boldly, they're saying that's for someone else. What's your message for us? I said, don't forget somebody like me and what God has done. Be bold. We just don't know what that one invitation and how it will change a life and another life and another life. We just don't know. So be bold to accept the invitation and be bold to extend it to. Oh, praise God. Can we just thank our friend, Jenny Kay? Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate you so much. My friend... God called Peter that day and said, Peter, it's, your life is about a whole lot more than you think it is right now. He got all excited about a boat full of fish. 
That was the best thing he could ever imagine, it seems. And Jesus says, I got something so much better for you that we could get excited about, and that is, what if we brought hope to people and brought them into the fold? And God wants to use you to bring hope to someone, too. It's probably a name that he's given you to write on that card. You know, Kirk reminded us that in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, there's a scene of the future where the leaders of God's people are there, and it says they have these bowls, and um, they're holding them up, and they contain, as if it were, the prayers of the people. And so that's why we've got a bowl here, and it's why if you're at one of our campuses today, we've got bowls at all the doors, and I'm just going to ask you if you would, you know, you've got a half to write the names on, write the exact same names on the other half, and drop that card back in that bowl. We've had, like, I think about 2,500 names already submitted that we're praying for. Let's double it this week and keep it growing, and then we'll hold the bowls up as if before the Lord, because we know that prayer changes things, and prayer changes me. And that's what we're going to do is simply ask you to do it, trusting that just like Peter said, I know I'm unworthy, and Jesus says, I know. Here's what I want you to do. <laughs> Will you say yes to that? That's what I was hoping God would put on your heart and lead you to do is to help bring hope to someone by inviting boldly. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for the hope that is ours in Christ. And we ask you now, will you burden us with an excitement and a, a holy fervor to, to consider those around us on whatever finger they may land who need the hope of Christ. And then we just humble ourselves and say, God, will you use us somehow? Will you give us an opportunity, a conversation? Maybe as someone like Kim who, who, who could just say to a friend and a neighbor, would you, would you come with me? Would you check it out as we learn together? And God, we want to see hope rising in our midst. We want to see your movement so powerful around us. So give us a story to tell as we push out from the shallow end. Help whoever's here who's afraid to go to the deep end to put their trust in you and let you take care of the rest. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.